You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So, during the last six weeks, we have been working through the plan of God's salvation for us in our series called The Tree of Life. If you've been able to listen along to all of these different lessons, well, you've, you might recall that we've, we've kind of moved ahead about 500 years each weekend. We've gone from God speaking the world into existence to God's amazing grace being promised. All along the way, pointing us to Jesus. Pointing us to Jesus through the lesson of Abraham and Isaac. Pointing us to Jesus through the Passover story. Pointing us to Jesus with the story of David and Goliath. Of Daniel in the lion's den. And then finally last week, Jesus' baptism. Does anyone remember this morning, besides Pastor Gerber, how he put, with a phrase, how he put baptism, holy baptism, so it, so it can really stick? Here's a clue. Can you fill in that blank? The great... Not the Great Escape, this is not a movie. The Great, a little louder, Exchange. The Great Exchange. Do you remember that now? Yes, because of what Christ did for us. He exchanged, or we get to exchange our sins, give them to Christ... And the exchange is Christ give us, gives us a robe of righteousness that protects us from all of the sins of the world. The great exchange. Well, this morning we won't be jumping ahead 500 years. We won't even be jumping forward five minutes because immediately after Jesus was baptized, what happened? He was sent into the desert, into the wilderness. Forty days of temptation. Mark 1, beginning at verse 12. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness, forty days, being tempted by Satan. Forty days of being tempted by Satan. But Satan didn't stand a chance, did he? Lori did a great job of helping the kids understand. You see, Jesus had something now. What did he have? He had special power. And where did he receive that special power? From the Holy Spirit, from his baptism. Now he was ready. He was ready to take on Satan, to ward off his temptations. 
And he did it with the power of the Holy Spirit and the very Word of God, who is Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 4, but he answered, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by, the, by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The second temptation, Matthew 4, 7, Jesus said to him, Again is written, You shall not put the Lord God to the test. And Matthew 4, verse 10, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only, shall you serve and that was that mark's gospel moves quickly then from the temptations to jesus to what we will be focusing on today which i've shared with you already the proclamation of the gospel by jesus christ the very son of god mark 1 14 to 15 now after john was arrested Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This red-lettered statement, this red-lettered command begins the most influential ministry the world has ever known. This statement is why you and I are here today. You see, Jesus announces the most important, the most radical idea that anyone had ever heard. The kingdom of God was at hand. So first of all, what is the kingdom of God? What is this kingdom of God that Jesus is referring to here? Well, first of all, you need to understand that in the New Testament, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are interchangeable phrases. They're used over 100 times in the New Testament. We see this in the Gospel of Matthew, where Matthew records the start of Jesus' ministry. This same lesson, but he says it just a bit differently, using the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying... Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, Jesus is not referring to a place in this statement. That's where our brains go. When we think of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we think of up there. But Jesus is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. In the Gospel of Luke, when the Pharisees ask Jesus about this kingdom coming, he reveals it, it is not a place. It is actually Jesus himself. Let's take a look. Jesus being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of us. You see, on the one hand, the kingdom of God is invisible. Saving faith in Jesus Christ cannot be seen. Saving faith in someone's heart cannot be known. 
But on the other hand, believers, well, we occupy the same space and the same time as unbelievers. In this sense, God's kingdom is plainly visible. Citizens of God's kingdom are billboards pointing to Christ Jesus by what we say and by what we do. I'm a Christian. You see, believers are citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, but not just when we take our final breath. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. John the Baptist also knew this. He used the same phrase as Matthew and Mark. We go to Matthew 3, verse 2. John the Baptist said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand. Now, what does that mean exactly? At hand means readily accessible when needed. So when is it that we need the kingdom of God? In other words, when is it that we need Jesus? He is the kingdom of God. He is the kingdom of heaven. My friends, I know you know the answer to that question, but do our lives reflect that we always need Jesus? Do our lives reflect that we truly are citizens of heaven? Citizens of the kingdom of God? Are we seeking the kingdom of God or are we seeking the kingdom of Satan? Well, if you're like me, it probably depends on the day. Probably depends on the hour, maybe even the minute. Never before in the history of this country has it been more difficult to see the kingdom of heaven, to live the kingdom of heaven. It's quite possible that avoiding the kingdom of God has never been more accepted than it is today. We live in a time when Boys can be girls and girls can be boys. Men can be women and women can be men. We live in a time in this country when, when babies are dispensable. Men can be married to men and women can be married to women. Pornography, the temptation of pornography is in our pockets. It's at our very fingertips. Anytime, any place. We live in a world where the temptation to lie and to cheat at work, at home, in play, it's right there. 
We live in a world where the temptation of eating too much is very real. Drinking too much. We live in a, in a world where the temptation not to make worship a priority on the weekend is very real. So I think you get the picture. We could keep going, couldn't we? Oh yes, the wilderness of sin and temptation, it's real, isn't it? It's a daily struggle to live in the kingdom of Satan. You heard me right, the kingdom of Satan. We don't talk about the kingdom of Satan. We live in the kingdom of Satan. God allows Satan to rule this world until Jesus comes back. Seems kind of hopeless, doesn't it? The world seems like it is spinning out of control. Actually, it feels like the world is sinning out of control. So is there any hope? Well, you better believe there's hope. Our hope is in the kingdom of God. Our hope is in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven that came, that came to us in the form of a humble little baby boy. The kingdom of heaven that grew up and matured to be the person today to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God's name is Jesus himself. You see, Jesus brings a hope that's not very complicated. A hope that's very simple. I didn't say it's not hard, but it's simple. It comes from Jesus' words himself, the second part of Mark 1.15. Once again, Jesus said, Repent and believe in the gospel. That's pretty simple. It's that simple. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Those are the only conditions of admissions into the Christian covenant. Yes, the Christian covenant. The same covenant that we are reminded of each and every time we participate in the Lord's Supper. Take and drink. This is the new covenant of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. You see, as citizens of the kingdom of God, right here, right now, the kingdom of heaven is in our hearts. That's where the kingdom of God reigns and resides. Through Jesus and Jesus alone we are forgiven, washed clean as slow as snow, washed with the blood of Christ's blood, made righteous. We don't have to wait to die to experience the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. 
This is the new covenant. Now, don't get me wrong. Following Jesus isn't easy. It's an all-encompassing, lifelong, transformational process. It's a process that is meant for believers to do together. That's why we're here together today. Brothers and sisters of Christ, the Trinity, helping each other as we are made new by the love of Jesus every day of our lives. The Apostle Paul sums all of this up this morning in his letter to the new Christians, in, the, in his letter to Philippians, to the Philippians. In this letter, Paul, he warns them it makes a difference how we live. He warns them that living in sin leads to destruction. He reminds them that they are, all, are already citizens of heaven, so act like it. And finally, he reminds them of the hope in the one final promise, a hope that even the saints who have gone before us still rest and await. Philippians 3, 17. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul isn't bragging here. He knows how you're supposed to function, how you're supposed to act, how you're supposed to talk when you are a Christian. And he's doing it right. He has Christ in his heart. And he tells others to watch us. This is how you do it. Verse 18. For many whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Do we walk among enemies of the cross of Christ? You better believe we do. Paul could be writing this letter to us, couldn't he? We continue, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and, their, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I'm guilty. On a daily basis, my mind is not always set on the kingdom of God my mind wanders the temptations are real and pretty soon i'm focusing on what earthly things but our citizenship is where in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ did you get it catch it paul doesn't say our citizenship will be in heaven he reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And finally, the best news of all, verse 21. Jesus, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Yes, 
on the last day, that glorious day, we will be permanently transformed forever and live in the kingdom of God where there is no end. But until that day, we're here. The kingdom of heaven remains in our hearts to guide us, to strengthen us. Remember, it's simple. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe that Jesus died on a cross for you and for me. Repent and believe that after three days Jesus rose again from the dead. Repent and believe that Jesus will come again when the Father sends him on the last day, the last glorious day, to make all things new. And he will raise us up again on the last day to live in his kingdom forever and ever. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.